Hello and welcome to this The Talking Dogs podcast. I'm Graham Hall and I've been working with dogs and their lovely people for about 10 years now. Um, over 10 years in fact. So you might know me as the dog father. Perhaps you've caught me on television's dogs behaving very badly. Thing is, when the TV show airs, I'm inundated with requests for advice on how to deal with various dog behavioural issues. And now I can bring you the answers directly on this podcast. By the end of this, I promise, well, I hope, that you and your dog will have learnt some new ideas and that'll keep you both very happy. In a bit, I'm going to get into a topic I know a lot of people have a lot of very strong opinions about, neutering. When's the time right to do it, if at all? And can it affect a dog's behaviour? Fireworks night is coming up too, so do stay with me for a bit of advice about how to keep your dog calm. First up though, Sam's in Brighton and she sent me a little voice note about an issue she's having with her puppy, Rebel. I would like some help. I've got a five-month-old Romanian puppy. He's just a typical pain-in-the-backside puppy. But, you know, so far been easy to train. But I have noticed that he is a bully. And what I mean by that is he plays very well with puppies of his own size. But when he sees a smaller dog who clearly is uh, submissive or shy, he will go and stand on top of them, nip their faces, nip their ears, and he just will not stop. Even if I pull him off and we do a timeout and we'll keep doing it unless I leave the park. To stop this, should I get him castrated? Or do I have to do a specific training to stop it? Will it get worse or is it just a puppy thing? Well, thanks for that, Sam. Um, well, you did call him rebel. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, we'll come back to the neutron issue um, because somebody else has actually been in touch about that too. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But for the moment, let's concentrate on the behaviour and the training that we need to be doing. So I'm listening to you thinking, right, how would we define a, a bully dog? What's going on here? So He's five months old, he's rushing in, he's nipping, he's relentless by all accounts, I get that. He's kind of got to the age at five months, you know, where he's just about to tip over into being a bit teenage. And we might talk about that in more detail in future, but but essentially they go from being quite obedient, if you want to call it that, to actually not listening to a word you've got to say. So there's a question, I suppose, which is how can you tell when the nipping turns from sort of playful to aggressive my hunch sounds as though that's a five months old dog who's going play with me play with me play with me and he's just doesn't understand he's just nipping going you will play with me you will you will you will which is why he keeps going in which case that should pass but if it's starting to be a bit more than a little nip and he's hurting the other dogs the other dogs are squealing or it's it's sounding snarly Right, so you kind of go from like <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, like you know, there's a bit of that going on. Then you know, clearly that's that's no good. So you do need to get in there, and tell him no. Timeout is great, as you say. Pull him to one side, give him a moment, try again, and don't give up. Dogs learn by repetition. So if he realises that it's game over every time he gets a bit aggressive, if that's how, that what you feel is going on, then he's just got to do it a few times. You know, we, we all of us learn, including humans, we learn by repetition, right? If you drive a car, how many times did you grunge the gears when you were learning? Lots and lots of times until you finally didn't. So keep at it. Um, 
only happening with certain types of dogs. That's interesting. Um, I wonder if the other dogs are, you know, they're backing off, being a bit more submissive maybe, and he is being a bit of a bully boy. He's like, oh, I can get away with it with this one. But he doesn't do it with the dogs that are standing up to him. So that would be a clue as well. Overall, if I was a Bessie man, I'd say my money would be on. This is a bit of a puppy thing, uh, and he's likely to grow out of it, unless at this stage he learns some bad behaviour which stays with him for as long as you know for the rest of his life so if you're at all worried i think ask for a bit of local help if there's a, a local trainer who can see it and and go through the problem but get the signals right that's what i would say we need to tell him what's acceptable and what's not so don't forget when he's playing nicely with the dog that's a chance for you to drop in with a quick bit of, oh good boy rebel that's nice so he hears it from you when you've got a dog that's doing something that's intermittent sometimes he does it sometimes he doesn't invariably people See, that's a bad thing. I don't. I'm thinking, well, if it's intermittent by by definition, sometimes he's getting it right. Uh, and if he's getting it right, you can praise it. Now, Rebel's a rescue dog. He's come over from Romania. So you won't have got him when he was eight weeks old, I'm sure. So he's probably missed out on quite a bit of early socialisation. So I suspect that he doesn't really understand how to play with other dogs. He's not had so much experience of it. That's why we've got to give him the feedback, really. We've got to let him know when he's getting it right and when he's getting it wrong. Now, often when dogs get just overexcited, it doesn't matter how much you scream at you, it's not going to make any difference. So you, you need to sort of sort of physically remove him from that situation, you know, move him apart, get him to calm down a little bit. And it's that kind of timeout I'm thinking of. So there are other kinds of timeout that we sometimes use where we put a, put a dog, you know, the other side of a door for, for some reason at time. In this situation, I'm thinking about removing him from the situation just by you know, a few metres, basically, giving him as long as it takes for him to simmer down a bit, and then effectively saying, OK, try again. And you keep repeating that. So it's like, no, you've blown it. Think about that. Calm down. Try again. OK. <laughs> yeah. And you keep repeating that. You can't simulate this without other dogs. So you you might say, well, you're putting other dogs in, in harm's way in order to do this. Well, he's, he's five months old, so it, it's best that he learns now before he gets to be really big and powerful. So almost all of us have got a group of sort of dog walking friends that we sort of see in the park. Even Usually we don't know their names, do we? We know the dog's name. It'll be it's Freddy's mum and all that kind of thing. Um, if you ask people for help, if they're fine and they're okay, then that's what you want. If somebody's got a dog that's particularly nervous, then really you, you don't want to target that dog to help you in your training because you're going to make their problems so much worse. I think it's just a, a case of common sense, but this is a stitch in time. If we can get him to understand how to play nicely now, it's going to be so much easier when he's bigger. So that's the sort of what you can do in the moment. The, the other thing I'd be thinking about is how much exercise is he getting? Now, there is a limit to how much exercise you can give a puppy because, to put it bluntly, you wear out the joints. So there's an old rule of thumb that's been doing the rounds for years, uh, and I think it's it's not a bad bit of guidance, which is for every month of life, five minutes of, of walking in any given bit of exercise. So, for example, he's five months old. Five times five is 25. So your walk should be about 25 minutes. If he's not getting a decent walk you know within reason well, what he can do then you're likely to get more of this problem so what you might choose to do for example is walk him for you know 15 20 minutes and and then let him play with the dog towards the end of it when he's already blown off a little bit of energy the truth is he won't have blown off all his energy he's a puppy there's a limit but yeah think about exercise
So Sam wondered if neutering would help with her puppy's bully behaviour, and Mick's also been in touch about that very subject. Hi Graham, uh, Mick from Long Eaton here. We have two border collies, now aged four and three, and both still haven't been neutered. Our first vet wanted to book our then puppy in for castration at four months to six months, saying that it will help protect him from disease later in life. However, a work colleague who had a beagle was told by his vet not to have him castrated until he was at least over two years old, that is, fully grown and mature, as that would also give him better health prospects in later life. In addition to all of this, our other collie became reactive to other dogs following an attack from a, a bull mastiff where we almost lost him. Again, we were advised by some that castration would calm him down but other people were saying that it could actually make him worse. We'd very much like your thoughts on this as the, the whole subject is really confusing. Well thanks mate, I think you've expressed there the confusion that a lot of people feel. Everyone seems to have a strong opinion about Newton. I'm sure that you're not the only person who's been confused because there is a lot of conflicting advice from particularly from well-meaning friends. First up, obviously I'm not a vet so uh, there'll be conversations that you need to have with your vet rather than me but let me talk about my experience and what I know about behavioural issues. Even amongst vets you're going to find very conflicting opinions on this one. Uh, I spoke to a, a vet that I've got a lot of respect for recently he's been around the block a bit and he told me you know I'm not an automatic neutral whereas you've got colleagues even in the same practice who who are really you know it's very much a case of um, it's a no-brainer just do it just do it. What we're talking about here, of course, is taking away their ability to reproduce, right? So if it's a male dog, re removing the, the testicles, and, and with that, the production of testosterone, which is a key thing, of course. With the females, it's not so obvious. It's all done internally, of course. That process of neutering can have beneficial health effects. There's no doubt about that. Occasionally, though, it can go the other way with male dogs in particular. Most typically, it doesn't make much difference to behaviour. So for every one person listening to this who's thinking, well, we neutered our dog, uh, male dog, and he calmed down, he got better, there'll probably be two or three people listening saying, well, actually, you know, we got ours news, it didn't make much difference. Now, you are doing good things in terms of health for the future, potentially. You can't get testicular cancer if you haven't got any, for sure. And it, it can have um, a good effect in terms of prostate and things like that as well. I'm in a sort of almost, not unique position, but unusual position on this one, in that I had two male dogs I had from puppies, two Rottweilers, Axel and Gordon, and one of them was neutered about halfway through his life because we experienced some problems with his prostate. And the other one, you know, kept his bits right to the, the end of his days. And they were both, as you might expect, well-behaved dogs. I think that's the point. Everything should be on a case-by-case -case basis. So it'd be lovely to be able to sit here and say to you, all right, here's the answer. Do this or do that. You know, yep, always lop them off right? or not, as the case may be. It's not really that simple. And it's even more complex when you look at the difference between males and females. So for males, there is an argument that, yes, testosterone certainly can be a problem. So think about the way it is in young male men right so you know all that bravado and all that stuff it, it doesn't really it's not conducive to to calmness and non-aggression so if you've got a dog that's being fueled by testosterone and that's what's causing aggression issues for example then yeah okay there's an argument for it but here's the thing if you've got a dog that's being nervous and aggressive and it's 
not that easy to tell the difference unless you know what you're looking at. It can make it worse. And there's, here's why. If you're on the edge of reacting badly because you're just so stressed out, you're nervous all the time, and testosterone is taken away from you, you kind of lose that little bit of confidence that was carrying you through. So there are rare cases where male dogs are neutered and we see the behaviour getting worse. So for both male and female dogs, there are lots of good reasons why you would want to neuter them anyway in terms of reproduction. You, you, know, you don't want uh, an unwanted pregnancy uh, and, a, and a litter. Whether you've got the female dog and you're the one who's stuck with the puppies or you've got a male dog who's humping everything in sight. And, you know, by the way, if you have got a male dog that's, that's humping, then often taking the testosterone away will fix that problem. Unless it's been allowed to go on for a long time. If it's now a three-year-old dog who's humping, you can take away the original cause of the problem and it's still there. So uh, it'll still, it'll still hump because it's, it's a habit, for example. I found that neutering dogs rarely transforms the behaviour into this very calm, chilled out dog who was, you know, hyperactive or something before. It's quite a subtle effect. Um, they often do put on weight. You've got to be careful about overfeeding them, for example, male and female. From a behavioural point of view, there are times when we would neuter a dog. There are times when we definitely wouldn't want to neuter a dog. Once you've surgically castrated a dog, you've done it, haven't you? Once you've taken them off, you can't glue them back on again. Uh, and if you've got it wrong and it's made the behaviour worse, you're in trouble. But you can go with a form of chemical castration and the different forms of. So you absolutely should be asking a vet about, about that if you're at all unsure. If that proves the point and it kind of fixes your behavioural issue, then that's great. You then can go for a more permanent solution of surgery. If somebody says to me that, you know, well, I think we should neuter this dog because I just neuter all dogs, that doesn't sound like a good reason to me. But if they're saying in your particular case, this is why I think on balance, you know, you, you probably shouldn't neuter and there are no downsides in your particular case, then I'm listening to that, that's for sure. Now, before I let you go, uh, I did want to say a couple of uh, words about fireworks. So that time of year is upon us. Deep joy. Uh, if you've got a dog, it can be all sorts of trouble. So we haven't got long now, but there are certainly things that you can do, you know, on, on the night that you're, because well, it's more than one night, isn't it, these days, that you're expecting a few fireworks. And really that revolves around making a nice, cosy environment for your dog. Ford famously um, came up with an indoor kennel for dogs where they, they used a lot of soundproofing. It looked like a like a solid tent, this thing. Um, and they used the technology from the cars, which was sort of passive soundproofing. In other words, just things that deaden the sound. But also they had this sort of active soundproofing where uh, microphones heard the sound outside and fired in sounds that cancelled them out. So like noise cancelling, like noise, noise cancelling headphones if you've got them. And it worked like that to create a really quiet environment. I don't think they ever marketed it. They were kind of showing what their technology could do. But we could learn a little bit from that. You can certainly make a, a little den for your dog. So if your dog likes to go to a particular area when, when they're nervous of sounds, then why not use that? So if it's under a table or the understairs cupboard or if they've got a crate, can you make that a bit cosier? Can you make it a bit more soundproof by sort of putting... Um, you know, cushions around and all that kind of thing. You'd be surprised how much difference you can make by putting soft furnishings around an area. You could also add a little bit of dog-appeasing pheromone spray into that area. So this is something that smells of mum when she was nursing, basically. But you've got to spray it on in advance of the dog going in. 
If you spray it and send the dog in immediately, the alcohol that's the carrier for the active ingredient is flashing off. And a dog's sensitive nose picks that up. It's like smelling salts and drives them crazy. So you've got to spray it on, you know, perhaps the dog bed, leave it for 15, 20 minutes and then introduce the dog. All we're doing is we're trying to create an environment that's a lot calmer. On fireworks night itself or the night when, you know, the, the, the local firework display is going off, Try and be there with your dog if you can. Try and not leave them on their own. What you do is key, right? If you're pandering to them when they're scared, and I know that sounds terribly harsh, it's going to make things worse because they're scared and, and, and shivering and you're going, it's all right, darling, everything's okay. You might as well be saying, it's okay, I like it when you like this, sadly. So they pick up the wrong message and it actually makes things worse. The best thing you can do is be understanding, be there for them. Try not to pay them too much attention when they're scared. I realise that's really hard to do. But save all your love and affection for when they look a bit calmer, those better moments, you know, if they move around and they're, f they're freer. That's when you praise them. Well, thank you for indulging me and my stories today. It's been lovely to have you along. If you're at your wit's end with your dog, do send an email or a voice note, even better, to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. And as always, I'll do my best to help you on the podcast. We'll be taking a short break, so I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a Christmas special. Meanwhile, do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can catch up. Uh, why don't you tell your friends about talking dogs when you're out on your crisp winter walk? Take care of yourselves and, of course, your dogs. Bye for now. <laughs>